This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Fantasy Throwdown Podcast, bringing you the latest in sports news, fantasy analysis, and opinions. Don't forget the hot takes. Can't have a sports show without hot takes these days. What about hot cakes, though? Mm, I want some hot cakes. Now, here's your host, ready to jump into the thick of things, Dwayne Callender. Hello and welcome to the show, everybody. It's been an extended break, not exactly planned on my part. I've been, unfortunately, going through some medical issues. So, you know, long story short, I had to get knee surgery. So I got a big old knee brace, can't bend my knee at the moment, which makes recording and podcasts quite a bit of an ordeal. But I am a man of the people. And the people have asked for my commentary on certain things that have happened since I've been away. So we're going to get into that. But because of everything that's been going on, I've been having to record things in uh, bits and pieces. So here's how this is going to go. Today's episode is going to focus on the NFL draft just because that's coming up uh, on Thursday night. So parts of this episode are going to be recorded a couple of days before. But this is going to be kind of my mock projections some of the other stuff that's been going on with the NBA, NHL, talking about what happened uh, in some of these playoff series, which have been absolutely crazy. Uh, we're going to get to it. It'll probably be released later on in the week, so bear with me. I'm doing the best I can, folks. But, uh, you know, without much further ado, we're going to talk NFL draft here. And I will say this as a preface for the NFL draft. This is where you see the haves and have-nots fully expand. Because this is where, you know, the dynamics of sports and politics kind of intertwine. And the reason why I say politics, I I don't mean actual political politics, I mean office politics. Because you're going to see folks with agendas start dominating aspects of the draft process rather than doing decisions that make the most sense... Instead of doing decisions that benefit only their self-interest and job preservation. So when I say this, is that this is why teams like the New England Patriots are able to victimize NFL teams year after year because they have complete stability and can just cherry pick the stupidity and irrationality that you'll see from other NFL franchises. So... With that little bit of an intro and being on a dour note, I will say that there are no less than four teams that 
I really have no idea what they're doing. And anytime you're dealing with someone who doesn't really seem to have a clue what they're doing, it's very hard to project exactly what they're going to do. But it can flip the entire draft on a dime. So I'll say that because we have a very real situation starting off with the first overall pick in the draft wherein, by all accounts, the Arizona Cardinals have no business selecting yet another quarterback as the overall number one pick. Especially a number one pick such as Kyler Murray, who's projected to be the number one pick, when Kyler Murray has so much bust potential written all over him due to his extremely small frame. And I'm not trying to say that Kyler Murray doesn't have the right to play NFL football. Believe me, I'm not. My whole point is, if I'm a franchise committing tens of millions of dollars into the most important position on the field for an NFL franchise, the problem with Kyler Murray is the fact that he will always be one bad hit away from potentially having a career-altering injury. His frame is that small that he is more prone to having a severe injury than most players. And it's not trying to say, don't draft him. I'm not saying that because he's got beautiful talents. I completely get why he uh, for, uh, has foregone baseball to play in the NFL because if all these NFL teams are serious about taking him in the top three, then yeah, or overall number one, yeah, the guarantee money up front you can get from football, the opportunity costs of trying to play baseball and then winning out a major deal after that, especially what's going on with baseball contracts these days. I haven't even had time to get into the whole dilemma of baseball contracts being potentially with uh, uh, held down by owners colluding, but we'll, we'll talk about that for another time. Uh, I don't want to di- diverge off of the NFL draft uh, uh, mock uh, preview, but yeah, I completely get it from Kyler Murray's standpoint. The issue for the Arizona Cardinals is the s- simple fact of the matter is, is that the Cardinals fired their first-year head coach after one year, They drafted Josh Rosen in the first round last year. Rosen didn't really seem to be the all-in pick from them last year, but they still committed the first-round pick anyway by trading up to get Rosen. And essentially, the Cardinals have put themselves in a spot where they're trying to tell everyone, oh, we can draft Kyler Murray and play Josh Rosen at the same time. It doesn't work that way. If you have two quarterbacks, it means you have no quarterbacks because – NFL quarterbacks need as many reps as humanly possible. It's not like baseball where you can stockpile as many starting pitchers as you want and try to have the most dominant pitching staff imaginable. There's only one quarterback and one football to throw around. So someone's got to be the number one. I mean, even in other sports like hockey, you can play forwards up top. In soccer, you can play multiple forwards on top. Even in basketball, some guys can play out of position. You can't do that in football with the quarterback position. One guy's got to be the quarterback. That's it. It's like, it, it really is that simple. So by drafting Kyler Murray, you're going to have to get rid of Josh Rosen. Otherwise, it's a sunk cost that will be rapidly depreciating in value. Josh Rosen's NFL value will not be any higher than it is right now tonight at this point 
with a Kyler Murray selection. So Josh Rosen has to get traded tonight if Kyler Murray's the pick. But the other flip side to this is that Arizona could end up keeping Josh Rosen because they have so many holes on that team that regardless of whoever the QB is, the offensive line is a complete mess. The defense is a mess outside of Patrick Peterson. Arizona needs so many draft picks that if they can convince a team to trade up and give them a boatload of picks, they can reload that that core uh, squad with young players on rookie deals and bring in at least one or two veterans next year so at least they can be a competitive team next year. Trying to draft a QB now, I I mean... I I just think you're setting yourself up for failure yet again. Now, with that being said, what do I think is going to happen? Well, head coach Cliff Kingsbury essentially bluffed his way into uh, this job. He has no no right to be an NFL head coach. I mean, this is one of the greatest con artist jobs I've ever seen. The fact that he was able to convince NFL teams that a struggling college head coach who only specialize, uh, specializes in one type of offense and never won any significant bowl games in college, is now ready to make the leap to the NFL based off of the success of guys he did not directly coach. I mean, listen, you know, Baker Mayfield made his run at Oklahoma after dealing with Cliff Kingsbury. Yes, Pat Mahomes had a great success. And yes, while he was a byproduct of being coached by Cliff Kingsbury, I think Pat Mahomes would have succeeded no matter who his head coach was. I, I honestly believe that a lot of these quarterback whispers are highly overrated. But with that being said, I do think Kingsbury, because he's committed so much of his actual persona as this guru who's going to modernize NFL offenses. Stop me if you heard this before when it came to Mike Martz, when it came to Chip Kelly about these gurus going to revolutionize offense. But, you know, at this point, Cliff Kingsbury is pot committed. So by being this committed to this notion of he's going to revolutionize the position, he can't trot out Josh Rosen again. Everyone's seen him. No one's seen uh, Kyler Murray, though. So because of the new shiny toy factor, Kyler Murray's going to be the pick. As much as John Gruden may want Kyler Murray, I can't see Kingsbury willingly trading uh, trading down uh, and getting a bunch of draft picks from the Raiders and then saying he's going to revolutionize the offense with Josh Rosen. I, I, I can't see it happening. I think he can get away with that if it's Kyler Murray. But with the amount of hype that Kingsbury's generated, he's basically committed himself to the Kyler Murray boat. So that's where I think the first overall pick's going to be. Number two is a much more straightforward fashion. The 49ers should be taking Nick Bosa. You know, he's going to be a dominant pass rusher, much like his brother Joey Bosa. Nick Bosa, I think, is a little bit less athletic, but a more shall we say, grungier player. I'll leave it at that. Uh, I, I do think uh, Nick Bosa has that chip on his shoulder where, you know, 
I, I think he'll be very effective at the next level. He's going to be a pass disruptor. Uh, he should be decent against the run as well. But he's he's going to be a solid pass rusher at the next level. So I I, I can't see the 49ers really passing on him. Uh, I, I think he's the safest option uh, amongst the top five. And for what he does, that is. For what he does. Uh, being a straight-up pass rusher... I, I, I think, you know, it's see the ball, go hit the guy with the ball. So, realistically, that not too much detail needed there. At number three, the New York Jets. I'm going to say they're taking Quinnen Williams, uh, the defensive tackle out of Alabama. Uh, there are multiple ways the Jets could go here. Uh, they could go with linebacker with Josh Allen or Devin White. Ed Oliver at uh, no tackle as well would be a better player than uh, Quentin Williams, in my opinion. But, I, you know, I, I think Quentin Williams, again, when you're the Jets and you're just trying to make as many solid picks as possible, which is what I think the Jets are trying to do. After years of futility, you know, they get Sam Darnold fall into their lap. And, you know, I think the Jets are trying to build around having a solid group of players because they've gotten their rear ends handed to them by New England enough times that they kind of see that slow and steady might actually be the way to go here. Maybe they do something else and they do something crazy and uh, try to do something splashy, but I I think they're going to keep it simple and just take Quinn and Williams here. At four, uh, the Raiders have options here. Uh, They could get an impact player with Josh Allen or Devin White. They could end up taking Dwayne Haskins at QB because no one's really sure what John Gruden's going to do. This is one of those things I keep saying. Uh, For the teams that no one really has an idea of what their real rationale is, so we're talking about Arizona. We're talking about Oakland. We're talking about my team, the New York Football Giants. We're, uh, and we're certainly talking about other squads like Miami and Washington. Like There are multiple teams here that could end up doing something really stupid. And I wouldn't bat an eyelash because I have so little faith in a number of these franchises right now. Based off of the indications that they've been giving, I don't really understand what it is that they're trying to accomplish based off of the information that's been presented to everyone. They're going off the reservation, in my opinion. But uh, with that being said, I do think Oakland at least gets it right here. It's hard It's hard uh, slicing between Allen and, uh, and White. I, I think they're both going to be studs. So uh, this is just a case where, you know, they, uh, they really can't be overthinking this one. If Allen or White get bypassed in the first couple of uh, picks, you know I'm just going to go apoplectic because it they are just dynamic linebackers that I would love for the Giants to have a chance for uh, these guys uh, uh, to uh, to sign. I'm just not sure the Giants are going to go in that direction, even though the Giants haven't had a legitimate linebacker in five years. Really? Yeah, I mean eight. If, 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 we're, if we're being honest with each other, like the Giants have not had and dominant linebacker play. I mean, please, we're, we're, we're talking about, we're, we're going back to Jesse Armstead days. 
you know, but anyway, uh, yeah, in, in terms of uh, the next pick, I, I do think uh, Oakland probably takes Josh Allen over Devin White. And then for the next pick after that, number five, Tampa Bay, I think uh, Devin White goes right after Josh Allen. I, I just think that it, it's they're too good to pass by. I, I, you know, again, if these teams are bypassing those who are, you know, again, Nick Bosa is the most direct player, so he's the safest player. I don't think he's better than Josh Allen or Devin White. I just think that for what Nick Bosa does, it's hard to screw that up. For those, uh, for Allen and White, yeah, there's always a chance they could bust. The Jets, I think, are going to go safe. But if you're looking for a dynamic defensive player and the next Khalil Mack, Josh Allen or Devin White have that possibility. I think Devin White is uh, probably, in terms of measurables, uh, goes along the lines of Jalen Smith and Luke Keekley. I-, I think. That's a dominant middle linebacker for the next 10 years. So, it depends on what you're looking for. Uh, Josh Allen's a little bit more explosive in terms of sacks uh, and overall disruption. But again, hard to go wrong with either pick. So, moving on to number six and the Giants. I know Giants fans are looking for Dwayne Haskins here. I know everyone wants Dwayne Haskins uh, from all the Giants fans I keep talking to. I don't think Dwayne Haskins is happening, folks. More, The more info I keep hearing from the Giants, I think this whole Daniel Jones smokescreen is a lot of smoke. If the Giants somehow take Daniel Jones, I'm probably going to slam my head into a wall a couple of times, and hopefully that the concussion will allow me to pass through the rest of the night and hopefully forget that this draft night ever happened. But, you know... At the end of the day, I think the pick here is going to be Ed Oliver, uh, the uh, defensive tackle from Houston. Explosive player in the interior. The Giants, you know, they switched to a 3-4 defense. You're going to need someone who can push the pocket if you're playing a 3-4 defense. I think Oliver is a perfect fit in a 3-4. I just look at that as the play here, and they're just going to go defense. I know fans are going to boo the pick. But here's the thing I think is also going to happen. I think before that pick happens, I think the Giants are going to shore up, making sure that they actually have a QB for once. And they they trade up, uh, they trade their number 17 pick in the first round to get Josh Rosen. Even though they said that, you know, they were only going to offer up a second round pick, I think the Giants have been trying to bluff Arizona this entire time into giving up Rosen for just a second round pick. And I think Arizona's going to call them out on it. I think there are enough teams that want to trade for Josh Rosen that the Giants are going to have to give up that number 17 pick. As much as I don't want to uh, admit it, I think this is realistically the only way the Giants can get around it if they're not sold on Dwayne Haskins. I thought they would at least entertain Dwayne Haskins a little bit more, but I'm not even a big Dwayne Haskins fan. I just think that Dwayne Haskins, his upside is that he can get up to Matt Ryan, not an elite quarterback level, but at least above average QB will get you to the playoffs consistently if you have a good team around him. Is he going to carry your team to a Super Bowl? No, but that's why you build a team around him. So not going to be a superstar QB. But at this point, you know, 
I think NFL teams are willing to settle for that at this point, just to get into the playoffs and hope for the best and hope that Tom Brady eventually retires. That That's where I really think NFL teams are at at this point. I don't think NFL teams really actually know how to win, <laughs> by and large, as sad as that sounds. Uh, and they're just hoping that they get lucky with QBs. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, that's where I look at the Giants going. I think they go with Ed Oliver and they make the trade for Rosen before they they make that Ed Oliver pick. So they're going to try to make sure they s- uh, line up the QB pick first and, and get the trade done, and then they'll make Ed Oliver. So you may hear the Ed Oliver pick, but before then, the, the actual trade agreement will happen in place with Arizona. So there may be some confusion amongst the audience as to why they didn't grab a QB, when in fact they probably did secure the QB and the trade doesn't get announced yet. So, again, these are little intangibles I would say to look out for uh, during the course of the draft. All right, moving on to pick number seven. We got Jacksonville here. Man, the Jags need a lot of help. (laughs) The Jags also signed Nick Foles to a ridiculous contract. But hey, you know, when you pay overpay for Blake Bortles, overpaying for Nick Foles doesn't seem like that terrible of an idea in contrast. Uh, so what does Tom Coughlin do here as uh, the president of operations with the Jags? I think he just shores up the offensive line and takes Jonah Williams out of Alabama. Basically, shouldn't have any baggage should bolster that offensive line immediately, give full some protection because the Jags are going to need that offense to perform because I don't think that defense is going to be quite the same uh, moving forward. So they're going to need more productivity out of that offense and O-line help can't hurt. Number eight, this pick can get traded down depending on if the Redskins actually get to trade into the draft because I think the Redskins are taking Dwayne Haskins at this point by trading up into the top 10. But I do think that Detroit may or may not be the trade partner that uh, Washington gets. Uh, But I do think that the guy that uh, Detroit wants is Rashawn Gary, the defensive tackle for Michigan. Uh, Basically, uh, he would fit in well with Snacks Harrison on the interior you know, I, I think Gary's uh, is a good fit for them. Works with Matt Patricia pretty well. Uh, I I think that's the play. If they don't think that they can get Gary down in the teens, then they'll probably just stay pat at eight and take Gary. At pick number nine, we got the Buffalo Bills, and to me, this is where the draft starts to get funky because there are so many defensive players on the board that the Bills could take to help themselves. And I think they're going to go on offense and take DK Metcalf, the wide receiver from Old Miss. Everyone keeps saying that this guy has the potential to be Julio Jones. I am very, very skeptical of that comparison. Uh, does he have uh, abilities uh, to be a high-term speedster? Yes. Does he have an incredible six-pack of abs and less than 2% body fat? Yes. Anyone who's seen the the videos of him on Instagram and everything else that he keeps posting, yeah, the guy is absolutely ripped. 
that does not translate to the NFL necessarily to be a superstar player. So, uh, route running suspect, hands a little suspect, durability question mark because he he did get nicked up quite a bit at, at Ole Miss. I have my reservations about Metcalf, but because of his ceiling potential and high bust potential, this goes right in line with the usual thought process the Buffalo Bills undergo whenever they're making draft selections in the first round. They always seem to predicate the ceiling potential over the bust potential and don't play it safe. I think they take Metcalf here, even though they have a number of defensive options that could be of big help to them, uh, and they they just live with it. Moving on to number 10. Washington makes the move up and finds a trade partner with Denver. And with that pick, they will take Dwayne Haskins, the QB out of Ohio State, much to the chagrin of Giants fans who want to have Dwayne Haskins. Here's the thing. Dwayne Haskins has... quite a bit of intangibles that I think would translate well to the next level. Good size, good poise, good composure. Set, uh, uh, tied the, uh, big 10 record with drew Brees for touchdown passes. Even though he only had one year of experience at Ohio state Haskins can play. I have no doubt about that. I'm not entirely sure his ceiling gets him to an elite level, but I think he, it's almost a guarantee that he's going to be a good QB. Why the Giants aren't excited about Dwayne Haskins? I have zero clue. This is the thing that drives me absolutely crazy with some of these franchises. I have no idea why the Giants are not more excited about Dwayne Haskins than they should be. But hey, it seems as though the Giants aren't excited. Now, unless this is a a master class in bluffing and that the plan is always to get Dwayne Haskins... Sure, I guess, but the Giants went about this in such a roundabout way that it seems more than likely the Giants are passing on Dwayne Haskins and Washington is going to be gleefully trading up to get at him because of the fact that Alex Smith's leg was snapped in half. He, There's a very good chance Alex Smith never plays another down in the NFL again, sadly. Uh, I, you know, not not trying to... Say he can't make a comeback, but realistically, the odds are very much against Alex Smith. The Washington traded for Case Case Keenum for crying out loud. I mean, Washington has no QB, so I, it makes perfect sense for them to trade up to get Haskins. I just think that the most likely case is they only get up to ten, and they still get him anyway because of how crazy. Uh, so some of these teams are going. I, I, I really think the Bills would have been uh, Bills or Detroit would uh, would be able to trade down. I'm just not sure if some of these teams realistically have evaluated the draft. So again, Haskins is likely going to Washington. It could happen earlier than ten, but we'll we'll, we'll see how it pans out. I I haven't pegged going to, in ten though. At pick number eleven, we got the Bengals. And we got another reach uh, coming. This is probably going to be the biggest reach of the first round. Well, unless Daniel Jones gets drafted, but we'll, we'll talk about that in a bit. 
we're going to have Drew Locke uh, from Missouri, the QB, as the next Bengals QB to take over for Andy Dalton. I don't dislike Drew Locke. I really don't. But Drew Locke, realistically, is a second-round QB. The upside with Drew Locke is that he becomes Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton was, once upon a time, a good QB. Not a great QB, not a very good QB, just a good QB. And he had a Hall of Fame wide receiver to throw to in A.J. Green. A.J. Green is now officially old. Uh, You can draft Drew Locke, and he can have the upside to develop into a good QB, but you don't have a Hall of Fame wide caliber wide receiver anymore you have an aging hall of fame wide receiver so the Bengals have a lot of work to do so it's not that i'm knocking the Bengals at making a qb call here as a reach because of the qb i'm just saying that the Bengals have so many other issues to address on that team that i don't know where to begin uh, to be perfectly honest the Bengals. Bengals, now that they finally moved on from Marvin Lewis, they, they, they just, they got to start over again. <laughs> it's like, uh, that, that team needs a, a fresh coat of paint badly. And I don't think Drew Locke is it. So, that that's just the way I, I'm, I'm just going to leave it at that. Number 12, we got Green Bay. Uh, in terms of players, got a lot of options here for the Packers, but... I'm going to go with Christian Wilkins, the defensive tackle of out of Clemson. Uh, solid player. Green Bay needs a lot of help on defense. There are a couple other players that could slot in here. Uh, Greedy Williams being one of them. But, you know, I, I look at this as a case where Green Bay uh, has a number of options to move around with. I don't think they trade down just because they just need as many quality players as possible. Training down doesn't necessarily help them at all, in my opinion. Moving on. Miami. Miami. What do the Dolphins do? Honestly, the Dolphins are one of those franchises that could easily do something really stupid here. And it wouldn't shock me. But I'm going to pencil them in for... uh, 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 Claylin uh, Farrell, the defensive end out of Clemson, uh, just a beast of a pass rusher in college, should translate very nicely to the next level, put pressure on Tom Brady, make his life miserable. That would make the most sense, given that they just hired a new head coach in Brian Flores, who's a defensive head coach from New England. Uh, I, I think uh, Farrell makes the most sense. Now... That would make the most sense given their new head coach. Given if there's a GM in place that's on the hot seat, there's a real chance that the Dolphins could end up taking Daniel Jones at QB. Daniel Jones, for the uninitiated, is a quarterback out of the Duke University in the ACC whom has a legendary coach in David Cutcliffe, who was the quarterback's coach for uh, for Peyton Manning and Eli Manning's head coach at Ole Miss. That's not exactly a... Despite what the media says, I don't consider that to be a bonus. 
Because my thing is, when you have a great offensive coach in college, that is more of a demerit because that means you've got coached up at the next level. So basically, your upside is already gone because you got coached up in college by someone who's proficient at it. So that's why when Alabama defensive players go, I usually pick, if it's if it's close, I usually pick the guy who didn't go to Alabama because I know how good Nick Saban is. Nick Saban coaches guys up so that their base is higher, but their upside is usually lower than most players because as a defender, Saban got the best out of them while they were in college. So the upside isn't necessarily there. So on that uh, on that note, when I look at Daniel Jones and seeing him for three years in college, I'm baffled at how in the world he's the guy who's got the first round valuation ahead of Will Greer. I don't get this at all. I really don't. Like, there's nothing about Daniel Jones and his performance in college that merits a first-round grade valuation. I don't give a damn how good he looked at the combine or in scouting drills. The value, like, he had more than enough starts in college to separate himself. And for those who would say that he wasn't throwing to the best caliber of competition, I would remind you that the ACC was not exactly a hotbed of of top-of-the-line defense. Again, yes, you have Miami and Clemson, but if you look throughout the rest of the ACC, there are a bunch of dogs in that conference. And again, his numbers from a college perspective are that much worse than everyone else being even mentioned ahead of time. Worse than Drew Locke. Far worse than Dwayne Haskins. Worse than Will Greer. There are legitimate signs that Daniel Jones is the most likely QB to bust out of any of these guys. The fact that he got a first round grade valuation in some of these mocks, I'm just, I'm baffled. I really, I don't get it. I don't get it. Sometimes people overthink this. Like sometimes like what you see on the field is what you're going to get on, on the NFL level. Yeah. He could, could he be a backup QB? Yeah. Could he be an NFL starter? No, not on a good team. Could he start a game here or two? Yeah, but like you're looking when you're drafting a QB in the first round, you're you're looking to get a guy who can actually be a real NFL QB, not Chad Henney. So when I I, I look at this, I, I'm I'm very scared because there's a real chance that Miami could just want to get their own new QB in place because they have a new head coach. I I would. I, I I just, I don't get it. Because people keep sliding in Daniel Jones as a QB, and I, I, I just don't see it. Uh, may, may, maybe it's, it's a lot of hype that's going into the draft, but if some of these teams are taking Daniel Jones in the teens, it, it, it's, a, it's a huge mistake. Anyway, so uh, at 13, I got Farrell, the defensive end at Clemson, uh, going to the Dolphins. Uh, at 14, we got uh, we got the Falcons. Uh, again, could easily turn into a trade situation, 
But I think the Falcons stay pat here and take uh, Andre Dillard, the offensive tackle from Washington State. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Washington State, coached by Mike Leake, they don't run the football at all, basically. So Dillard is pretty much going to be a pass-dominant blocker. But given the fact that the Falcons don't really run the ball all that much at the <laughs> for reasons that I still can't understand, uh, I don't think that's going to be that much of a problem. I think he'll fit in nicely being an athletic tackle uh, and pass blocking for the Falcons. So I, I think uh, Dillard would be a good fit for them. At 15, we have the Denver Broncos. And again, my rant on Daniel Jones aside... Daniel Jones could easily go to the Denver Broncos. I'm going to side on the the side of caution here uh, and hope that John Elway has learned his lesson on taking gambles on QBs with high bust potential and learns from his many, many mistakes at this point, gambling on QBs in the draft and in, in free agency. But considering he just traded for Joe Flacco, he really hasn't. And then drafting a rookie QB in the first round makes even less sense. Would I be shocked if Elway did it? No. But, man, it would be a really stupid move. Uh, So uh, with that in mind, I'm going to say that the pick's going to be DJ Hawkinson, the tight end for Iowa. But, man, if John Elway, like, (laughs) drafted Daniel Jones... uh, yeah, I'm just going to have to hold a vigil for teams that dra- draft Daniel Jones. I, I, I really, I just look, I just see instant bust. I, I, I'm like, I'm just being honest. I, 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 I just can, like, out of all, out of all the players I'm probably going to talk about, Daniel Jones uh, is even higher bust potential than DK Metcalf. But anyway, uh, moving on. Uh, we're going to get to number 16. Devin Bush, the linebacker for Michigan. Uh, not to be confused with Devin White, who I mentioned in the top uh, top five. Devin Bush, another talented linebacker. Uh, very, uh, very good um, uh, linebacker uh, in coverage. Uh, good tackler. Here's the reason why he makes a ton of sense for Carolina. Luke Keekley, as good as he is, is one bad hit away from retirement because of his past history with concussions. If Carolina wants to ignore that, you know, I, I I don't know what to say, but like to me, it makes the most sense drafting Devin Bush, having on-the-job training with Luke Keekley, and, you know, however long Keekley can last with the Panthers, so be it. But I think the Panthers would be wise to uh, start planning out the succession plan because I think time is more against uh, Luke Keekley than anyone would want to care to admit uh, because, you know, it, it seems to be an annual event at this point where Luke Keekley suffers some kind of episode in the middle of a game and everyone's very concerned about his mental wealth state of being. So I'm, 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 I'm just saying it, it, it makes sense that Carolina would go down the route of getting a future middle linebacker, uh, at least someone that can – uh, be talented enough to work on the outside with Luke Keekley in the interim. And I think uh, Devin Bush would be plug and play uh, right then and there uh, to uh, to uh, make up for Thomas Davis also retiring last year. Uh, 
Moving on to 17, we got Byron uh, Murphy going to the Arizona Cardinals with the pick that the Giants uh, gave up with my projected Josh Rosen trade. Uh, Here's the thing. The Cardinals need a lot of help, and, you know, Byron Murphy is a very talented quarterback. I don't think he's the best quarterback available. I think that's Greedy Williams, but I think he is the safest pick and Arizona needs as much depth as humanly possible. So uh, I think Byron Murphy is the pick here. Number 18 goes to the Minnesota Vikings. And I think they take Garrett Bradbury, uh, center out of North Carolina State. Uh, basically, he can play the guard position too. Uh, the Vikings just need to rebuild that offensive line to keep uh, Kirk Cousins upright. Way too many fumbles last year. It completely derailed their season. They got to build out that offensive line, and I think they start with Bradbury. At number 19, we have the Tennessee Titans. They can go a couple of different directions here. Uh, I have them down to take Noah Fant, the tight end from Iowa. Uh, The Titans have a number of issues. I still don't think the Titans have a quarterback in Marcus Mariota, but, you know, uh, that's my opinion. Uh, I, I think... They do want to commit to Mariota regardless. Uh, But at the end of the day, uh, this is a case where I think the Titans are of the opinion that they, uh, you know, they need to get some more weapons around Mariota. I don't think they go wide receiver. I think they they go tight end here. Uh, Fant is the best receiving tight end in the draft. And... With Delaney Walker going down with an injury in week one last year, that position was an absolute train wreck. Uh, so I, I think that's going to be the play here. Moving on to pick 20, the Pittsburgh Steelers. You know, I think the Steelers just need playmakers on defense. And, you know, Montez Sweat was supposed to be a top 10 pick. Then uh, teams got news of a medical condition regarding his heart. I think the Steelers are one of those franchises that are willing to roll the dice. As long as you can make plays, they're willing to take on whatever issues you may have from a medical standpoint. So I, I think they, they go sweat uh, there at the linebacker spot. And hopefully they have someone uh, in sweat that can uh, at least replace what they were getting out of Ryan Chazier before his uh, neck injury uh almost two years ago at 21 we have the seattle seahawks with one of their picks that they got from uh, 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 and I'll, I'll say this with seattle uh seattle you know they have an extra first round pick because of their uh their trade with <laughs> their trade with uh the kansas city chiefs for frank clark and I will say this, teams that go all in when they should deserve all the credit of the world. Because the worst thing you can do is go all in after the moment has passed, which is exactly what the Kansas City Chiefs did. Because they could have had Indomitian Sue last year and chose not to. Didn't have uh, enough pass rushers to deal with the Patriots. Ended up losing. And now, after they dealt a couple more pass rushers, massively overpay for Frank Clark via trade and contract extension, 
that Frank Clark will never, ever live up to. Ever. Ever. At 20 mil a year. Frank Clark will never be that productive as a pass rusher. I'm very confident in saying that. Uh, it's not like Frank Clark's a, a bad player. He's a very good player. He ain't $20 million good. But hey, you know, good on Seattle for fleecing the Chiefs. Anyway, with that being said, Seattle gets uh, a potential replacement for Frank, uh, Frank Clark and Brian Burns, uh, the defensive end slash linebacker uh, out of Florida State. He can play uh, both on the line and off the line. I think that versatility makes him a good fit for Seattle. Uh so I think that's going to be a, a nice fit for the Seahawks. At pick number 22, we have the Oakland Raiders. At this point, the Raiders could have done something crazy by now. But I think the craziness starts later on in the draft as Gruden gets more and more desperate that people aren't talking about him. Uh, so I think with this pick, the Raiders select a relatively safe pick in Josh Jacobs, uh, the running back out of Alabama, given that Marshawn Lynch retired. Uh, I mean, you can, you can look at the muscle hamster <laughs> as, uh, as a running back, but you know, I, I, I just think that, uh, this is a case of, you know, a, a team needing, uh, needing someone to just be the running back in the future. I don't think Doug Ball wins that guy. He's he's going to be on the dark side of 30. Uh, come, uh, I think, actually, I think he's already at 30, uh, to be honest. Uh, that's ancient in running back years at this point for the NFL. Uh, I, I just don't see Doug Baldwin being the future at Oakland. Same way, I don't think uh, Derek Carr is going to be with the Oakland Raiders much longer. But that's another story. Uh, there's still a good chance Derek Carr gets traded to the Giants tonight. <laughs> like there, there are a lot of crazy things get, that could happen in this draft. But um, yeah. Uh, with that being said, yeah, I, I think Josh Jacobs uh, goes to Oakland here, and that's uh, pretty much uh, how it shapes up. Uh, the Raiders uh, could easily. Um, do a couple of things here, but I think they, they go with Jacobs here and just lock up the running back position. At number 23, we have the Houston Texans who desperately need to protect uh, Deshaun Watson. So I think they take Cody Ford, uh, the tackle out of Oklahoma. Uh, should be able to fit in nicely with uh, the protection scheme so that uh, Houston has. So I think that's going to be the play there. At pick number 24, we got the Raiders again, courtesy of the Cleo Mack trade. Uh, you know, I think this is where they start making splashier picks. So while they should take Greedy Williams, and I don't, I don't really, you know, as I kept mocking this, I kept saying to myself, Greedy Williams should have gone before then. But I think something funky is going to happen tonight where Greedy Williams just drops for random reasons and you know i just think that the raiders take take rock yasin rock yasin yes i i did say the name right but you know just so i can pronounce it with full emphasis uh for those of you listening uh that is his name uh the cornerback out of temple he's a playmaker 
He can do a couple of things on special teams as well. Uh, I, I just think that both he, uh, both John Gruden and uh, NFL analysts turned NFL GM Mike Mayock are going to be falling in love with that guy. So I, I think that's going to be the, uh, the pick. At pick number 25, we got the Philadelphia Eagles on the clock. And I think Marquise Brown, cousin of Antonio Brown, is going to be the pick here. Now, some of you are going to say, Dwayne, why would Marquise Brown not get drafted by the Raiders? And that's a very good question. There's a real chance that the Raiders could be dumb enough to draft the cousin of Antonio Brown and thus poison the young rookie with all the bad habits of his uncle. And anytime you're trying to punish the rookie and discipline him to do the right things, you're going to piss off Antonio Brown. Like, those are the reasons why you don't draft family members on the exact same team. Because, you know, you, you know if, you, if, you're, if you're trying to discipline one, you're going to piss off the other one more than likely. Depending on the family. But, with that being said, uh, I, I look at this as a case of uh, the Eagles needing a speedster. Deshaun Jackson, yes, he came back. But I don't think he's playing more, beyond two years with the Eagles at this point, at this stage of his career, he doesn't really need, need the money. I think he, he just really wanted to be part of the, uh, the Philadelphia, uh, franchise and fan base again. Uh, you know, he loved being an Eagle. The reason why he got chipped out was because of Chip Kelly. And that's basically it, uh, with the regime change. So I think Deshaun Jackson would be there as a good mentor for Brown. Uh, so Hollywood Brown, uh, 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 will go under Deshaun Jackson's wing and terrorize the Giants for years to come. <sighs> God, I hate. I I really hope I'm not right about that, but I I'm I feel confident with that one. Anyway, uh, moving on. Pick number twenty six. We got the Colts on the clock. Uh, I think they go with a safer pick in Jonathan Abram. Uh, the safety out of Mississippi State, uh, Abram, hard-hitting safety, run-stopper, not really great in pass coverage, but he basically projects out to what Landon Collins does. Uh, Landon Collins, who ended up becoming a free agent because the Giants refused to pay him for reasons that no one quite understands, given how bad the Giants' defense was, and Collins was one of our few good players, but... Yeah, you know, it's, it is what it is. Uh, yeah, so about that. Uh, anyway, uh, I just think that Abram's going to be a cheaper option for the Colts. I think they're just trying to uh, keep money under the cap just because uh, I think they're looking at this as a mom-and-pop shop and just trying to not make any big splashes and build through the draft uh, some young players I think Abram is going to be more of a fit for that mold than what Greedy Williams brings to the table. At pick number 27, we got the Ravens. I think Hakeem Butler is going to be the play here. Uh, I think this is going to be uh, outside-the-box type of selection because Baltimore has Lamar Jackson, who's never going to be confused with Dan Marino or John Elway in terms of uh, being a down-the-field passer, but... Uh, I do think Butler possesses 
uh, different abilities as a wide receiver for yards after catch to create explosive plays. And, you know, sooner or later, the Ravens are going to have to throw to some guys. And I, and I think, uh, you know, Butler is one of those players that can uh, do some interesting things uh, on the football field. And that's uh, that's going to be uh, that's going to be kind of what they ended up playing off of. So uh, that, those are my thoughts on the matter. Uh, you know, this could be a completely uh, moronic pick, and I, I'm and I end up being wrong all the way through. But I, I just feel that uh, you know this is a this is probably going to be a, a likely scenario, at least in my opinion, that. Uh, it ends up being a case of uh, Butler being a surprise pick at wide receiver that people don't see coming. And number 28, uh, Greedy Williams falls all the way to the Los Angeles Chargers. Uh, and, you know, in my head, I say Los Angeles, but I'm always correcting myself in my head mentally because as I had my notes written out, I typed out San Diego regardless. <laughs> so even as like I'm correcting my head as I'm talking here to say Los Angeles, in my notes I wrote down San Diego. <laughs> They're in San Diego. I, I, what do you want me to say? <laughs> They're always going to be the San Diego Chargers. They, they can say whatever they want. Um, oh, man. Oh, what a mess. Anyway, um... Yeah, so Greedy Williams, talented cornerback, should have gone way earlier than what I have him mocked for. But I just think this is, he's going to be one of those casualties of a very weird draft with teams reaching for players that they really shouldn't be reaching for or drafting based off of need rather than best player available. At number 29, we got the Seattle Seahawks taking Nikhil Harry, the wide receiver out of Arizona State. Uh, Doug Baldwin... Was has been dealing with knee injuries uh, the last few years. Uh, last year was dramatically impacted by what was going on. I, I I just look at this as a case of, you know, this uh, this is just one of those uh, situations where I, I think you know it makes the most sense. Russell Wilson just got paid a boatload of money. The Seattle Seahawks are not going to be able to keep all these guys on the roster anymore. Uh, so I, I, I just look at it as a case where, uh, you know, it is what it is, but, uh, you know, they're, they're going to have to start moving some of these guys. Uh, so that's, uh, that's basically, uh, where I stand on Seattle. Uh, I, you know, they could go a couple of different directions here, but, uh, Harry makes the most sense here in my opinion. At number 30, uh, again, another potential for trading down, uh, but we have the Packers. I'm going to project them for Chris Lindstrom, offensive guard out of Boston College. Uh, You know, Boston College really did not have a whole lot in terms of quality players, uh, but uh, Lindstrom uh, definitely was one of those standouts where you could see that, you know, he was making some plays on a not-so-talented team. So, uh, I think he ends up going into the first round here. Uh, at 31, another place where this could be an easy trade down. We have the Rams uh, in place. Uh, I can see them trading down this pick easily. Uh, 
there's no question about that. Um, my whole thing is, uh, uh, basically the Rams, you know, they need roster depth, so they could easily trade this one down and get some more picks. But if I'm going to make a pick here, I'm going to say that, uh, the Rams get Eric McCoy center out of Texas A&M. Uh, they could also take Jenkins out of Mississippi state. Who's also a center slash guard, uh, the Rams just need some more roster depth for that offensive line that tends to be undersized and got worn down towards the end of the year, and it started to show its cracks uh, into the playoffs as well as the Super Bowl. So uh, I would say, you know, getting pushed around in the playoffs uh, is more than a sign that you got to make some changes on the offensive line, even if they won't be ready next year, the year after, definitely. And to round out the first round, we've got the defending champs, New England Patriots. I think they try to begin the process of replacing Gronk, uh, which they can't. But, you know, as close as possible, given their options here. Uh, I think they draft Irv Smith Jr., the tight end out of Alabama. No one's going to be able to duplicate what Gronk can do from a pass blocking and catching standpoint. But Irv Smith uh, Jr. should be able to stretch the field from a passing standpoint. So it gives Brady an option down the field. And his blocking has gotten better to the point where uh, he would be serviceable in most situations without having to bring in a different tight end. So uh, I, I think that makes the most sense. All right, so that does it for the first round. Uh, again, I think, you know, from the takeaways that I have for this mock draft, you're going to see teams make trades. Uh, I think there are trades abound coming for quarterbacks. Uh, whether the Giants get Rosen or the Raiders and Giants do something funky with their car, like, there are things that are going to happen tonight with trades going down. Uh, that's just my take on things. The Daniel Jones fiasco could explode on any number of teams in the first round. Uh, You know, if I'm an NFL fan, I don't want my team to be the one to jump on that grenade. Uh, You know, I'm pretty clear in my assessment that he is not an NFL QB, but, you know, he's going to get drafted like one nonetheless. And a high pick nonetheless. I just think it's it's a complete mistake, but... Hey, uh, apparently there are people making, uh, getting paid uh, six figures to make that call, and they think that that's the guy. I just, I'm just looking at him saying it's whoever made, whoever's going to make that call is definitely going to regret it, and it'll probably cost them their job sooner or later. So that's going to do it for the show. Uh, I'm going to get back into some of the other topics. Uh, at some point this week, uh, but uh, hopefully you guys got something out of the draft. Uh, obviously, watch the draft Thursday night, or you know, just follow along with your picks on, uh, as they come in and see if they match up with the mock draft that I've given you here. So at least you have some talking points to talk amongst your friends if you're at a draft party. So that's all for now, folks. Take it easy and uh, have a good one.